and again, I've seen that work out really well. I've seen that be catastrophic. Um, and I've seen companies overbuy because of that. Um, and on the flip side, I've seen really high functioning programs destroyed because new leadership comes in and says, well, I'm an Adobe person, so we're going to switch all over to Adobe. Or I'm a Google person, so I don't care how well it's working. We use Google at my last place, so we're ripping everything out. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. All right, so back at it again. What is going on? Uh, I don't know. Just hanging out, you know, trying to make it crazy. It's uh, February. That's wild. It is. Everyone keeps telling me January lasted for forever. I'm like, January... No, it was like a went... blink. It was like... Pfft. Yeah. Yeah, it, it flew by and it's already February. Yeah, so... That is crazy, uh, although the, uh, the fill of spring in the air is, uh, is quite nice. Yeah, tomorrow's um, Groundhog Day. It's a, good, it's a good movie, too. It is a good movie. <laughs> Maybe I should force my kids to watch that. Yeah, Ned? don't try angry. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so that's what. What's going on? Yeah. So I'm trying to drink more water. I'm, I'm definitely trying to, to be better at that. So I got myself a new water bottle. Mm. Check this bad boy out. Uh, uh, the damn virtual background. <laughs> it's too, It's so clear it's coming into the... <laughs> yeah. What is it, like five a, gallons? A gallon of water. And so much so, like, the, the handle's, like, in the middle of it. Gosh. And it's got... Um, like, like times mark, here yeah, to, yeah. oh by the time to like day, mark it off by like have. yeah by 9 a.m you should drink this much by you know 11 a.m you should drink that much and my wife is looking at me and i'm like i fill it up in the morning i bring it up to the office and i slowly sip on it throughout the day and trying to trying to drink more well that's good that's good i'm trying to drink uh i'm trying to drink more raw kombucha my my daughter sent me a, a tiktok of a lady that injured her hand opening a bottle of kombucha um, that she had, um, like, it had, like, found its way to the back of the refrigerator for a couple months, and she had lost it back there, and she went and opened it up, and it just, the cap just went, Oh. And, and she's like, does this happen? I'm like, I mean, there's live bacteria in there that is producing, you know, gases. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to build up it could. pressure. So, I was at the store yesterday, and, and I was buying this bottle, and the, the cashier went to grab something else and knocked the bottle over, and it hit the like treadmill thing that the groceries slide down on. Hit the cap, blew off, and it went <laughs> everywhere. I'm like, oh, I'm like, yep, should have been here, and I should have got that for TikTok. That uh, that can't happen. You could have so, gone viral. I could have been viral. I could have been like the next thing. Like, I would be on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, and I don't know who knows where to go from there. Yeah, you ditch me on this show. <laughs> like me. 
Man, they were like, so tell me what it was like with the gym on the podcast. I'm like, gym, podcast? Like, I don't even, I'm, I don't even remember yeah. that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I, you know, no, don't remember anything before uh, the, the kombucha bottle exploded. Uh, yeah, anyway, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I so, don't know how you're going to, like, pivot this one. Yeah, don't don't know either, and I'm just not. It's um, not going to so last week we 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 started a theme around the the idea of like um, the issue with point analytics, and we told your story from um, you know going and purchasing oh, yeah, the guitar center, yeah. the guitar center story with purchasing yeah. a keyboard, and the issue with point analytics and uh, what it could what it could bring up where you know in every step of the way everything looks good, but when you look at it holistically, there there's a problem. So. I want to continue that theme, but like, uh, take a little bit different uh, look at it. And I want to talk about vendor lock-in today, specifically the risk of vendor vendor lock-in. Um, because over the last several years, we've seen a lot of consolidation in the market, where previously you would have, say, you know, a web platform by one vendor, an analytics platform by another, an email service provider by a third vendor, and so on. So you would have this mix of different tools coming from multiple different vendors. And a lot of them had a level of connectivity between the two. I remember back in the day, um, Omniture, and then shortly thereafter, Adobe Analytics had those Genesis connectors for oh, yeah. email service providers. Yeah, but nowadays, you don't have them you know, without a level of custom work because Adobe owns two email platforms, um, the Adobe Campaign and Marketo. So um, you're, you're seeing with this consolidation, you know, this creation of these walled gardens, the risk of vendor lock-in is, is greater than ever. Because before, when you would have all of those different vendors all, you know, and, and the different tools, if something wasn't working with one, you could easily switch to another. And easy being relative. Let, let me yeah. I'll say that. Um, and ultimately, the biggest thing that, that you know when vendor lock-in occurs is you're unable to do that kind of switching because the switching cost is so substantial mm-hmm. um so i i think like there's a couple different ways but one of the things one of the questions i want to start with is is how do organizations fall into a vendor lock situation so I think for a lot of different reasons, and you know, our lens is is primarily in the very, very large enterprise space. So you know, as you're listening to this, kind of that's definitely my bias and where my experience is, and it may not necessarily hold true in in different markets. Um, but I, I think there are, are different reasons. I, I I do think that there's a promise to to kind of going all in with with a vendor. Um, We've definitely seen that with some of the larger MarTech vendors, just from a pricing perspective, although I'll come back to where this can also be a risk, but we've definitely seen more competition on pricing where it's um, it's it's more approachable to go kind of all in than to, to piecemeal it, which wasn't the case back in the day. You know, if you were buying a separate email solution from a separate survey tool, from a separate analytics tool, each of those tools is point solutions could have an incredibly high cost to them but now if you look at you know we'll, we'll look at adobe specifically if you look at the point solutions as buying together in a package deal 
it's almost cheaper. To, the whole thing's almost kind of cheaper than what I would have paid as individually, or it is cheaper. Like 10 years ago, what I had paid individually to put all these things together. So I do think that there is that, that draw of, you know, if you go all in, um, the price is really, really attractive. Um, now the risk to that is that you are all in and to your point, it's it, the switching costs are, are quite high and you know, the risk is a vendor could come back and say, Oh, by the way, on your next renewal, we're raising your rate 90%. And you're like, but we didn't add any new features. Well, I don't know, take it or leave it, you know, like, so because they know. And so I, I would hope that vendors don't do that. I would hope that vendors, even though there's a little bit of comfort of having the, the, the lock in, um, they don't use that as an excuse to slow down innovation and continuing to put out new features, but it, it definitely can happen. I, I think the other promise is, and I, you mentioned is connectivity, um, is that, you know, we spend so much try, time trying to get all of these solutions to talk to each other because we want our audience platform to talk to our testing platform and we need that to talk to our analytics platform and we need our analytics platform to talk to our email platform. And the idea is like, well, if I go all in with a Google or an Adobe or a Salesforce or, a, you know, fill in the blank, then those things natively should work really well together. And we can debate whether that's a reality or not. But, you know, I think that's definitely one of the draws. And then I think the third piece of it is, is just efficiency. And this is the people problem in that, you know, teams, these teams we've talked about over and over again, these teams are, are drastically understaffed. And so I think the belief is, is that it's going to be much easier for us to go all in on Google because we can hire a Google expert or so that can handle the entire stack. But if we piecemeal it, we got to go get someone that's really good at Google Analytics, someone that's really good at, you know, our ESP, someone that's really good that, you know, is good at our audience platform, which is something else, someone that's really good at Optimizely, which is a different platform. And we just can't go hire for all of those. So we want the efficiencies of having a smaller staff that's really an expert on that specific cloud vendor. So I think, you know, a combination of attractive pricing, tight integration between point solutions, and then just efficiencies of being able to work with an agency or an internal team or a combination that really has deep expertise in that specific cloud offering, I think is what has really attracted companies, especially in the enterprise space to say, you know, we're gonna really go go all in with one vendor rather than piecemealing kind of quote, best of breed solutions to build a, a custom stack. Yeah, you bring up a lot of really good points there, and I want to unpack each because um, there, there's some really good things there. And I'll say this, and we'll, I, I will come back to cost in a minute, but like I didn't think of the actual cost benefit. Like for me, like I think of like the downside of vendor lock, but you're right when you pointed out that way, like there could be substantial cost benefits with going with an entire platform um, versus piecemealing it together. But I want to start with the integration piece because I feel like this is often where it, it is absolutely a double-edged sword. Um, and yes, we can absolutely debate like how well these platforms communicate within within the platform. Like the, the tools communicate within there. That being said, it is it, it, it's very alluring to say, oh, we have a analytics tool that talks that, that is deployed by the vendor's TMS tool 
that talks to the testing tool that sends data, the email pro platform, the platform that sends data back this way. It goes to the CDP. It then goes to our CRM, like all of that data connection. It is absolutely, um, alluring. Um, but yeah, I think, that, and that's honestly, I think that's the primary, again, I'll look at from the negative side of things. That's the primary trap used because I will say they don't necessarily communicate as well as they're sold. That that's been my experience and, and that's a bit of frustration, right? Um, is that that's, that's kind of, you, you kind of paint this pretty picture. And if you think about like the demos, a lot of those aren't even realistic, right? So we, we create this really great story, but in reality, um, I think that belief because they are native solutions really hasn't been fulfilled. And I think a biggest part of the challenge is a lot of, a lot of the major cloud vendors their point solutions are not homegrown. And that's why it's been so challenging is that um, if you look at the growth of a Salesforce and an Adobe and of a Google, um, they may have started with a primary homegrown sort, you know, solution, but they've gone out and then bought a testing platform, bought a audience platform. And it's a lot harder to integrate those in because those are not quote unquote native. You know, we think, well, it's owned by Adobe, so it's native. No, like they've gone out and piecemealed this entire stack together through acquisition. And it's really, really hard to get these things to talk together natively. And so I think, yeah, we, we really haven't had that promise of, of tight integration. Um, and I'm not pointing out a, a single vendor. Like I think they all struggle with it and, and completely understandable. It's really, really difficult to do. Yeah, because they, they've gone out and acquired and there was a bit of a rush to, to acquire. So they, 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 they changed the branding and yes, it is not just an Adobe problem. They changed the branding, they put a few pieces together, but it is still the separate tool because I have seen that with these platforms that promise these tight integration. It's the, yeah, oh, it's a tight integration, but you'll need your dev team to build and maintain this additional piece here. Or, yes, it's a tight integration only under these circumstances. Yeah. Yes, it's and a tight integration, but, oh, you're you're not an e-commerce platform. You're a lead gen. So, well, you don't get the full integration because, really, the integration was built around this use case. Yeah. And I think if, you know, if I was advising a company that's, that's looking at, at going all in on a, a specific vendor, one of the recommendations I would have for them is go and talk to the different teams that own the different solutions, not the engineers, go talk to the product teams, go talk to the support teams for each of the different solutions within that cloud and see how much they know about the other solutions. That is a telltale sign of how tightly integrated the backend technology piece is because I've seen that at some vendors where, you know, you go talk to the uh, audience plot you know the team that owns the audience platform and the team that owns the analytics platform and the team that owns the cms platform and they are clueless on what any of the other pieces uh, do or how it fits into the puzzle and that would be a huge red flag if if like these teams that support it and are building the product roadmaps for the point solutions with the in the cloud are clueless on what the other solutions do that that's going to tell you just how tightly integrated technology wise they they are on the back end yeah. And like, again, the, the allure of, of ease, um, 
it's something where if vendors are promising you ease and another example is, is just something as simple as a data layer. Um, for the longest time, I've always been a fan of like, whether you go with like the, the traditional, um, user profile, like the one, the W3C standard from 15 years ago, if you go with the structure like that, or, you know, a more current, like event-driven data layer, whichever format you use that works best, that's fine. But you're seeing branding put around it. Google has theirs, Adobe has theirs. And just as something as simple as that, I've always been a fan of if you make it vendor agnostic, that's the whole point of the data layer, it's vendor agnostic. But again, the, the lure of oh, it's just easy, we have built-in things. But again, that's another thing. If you were to decide to change, you need your dev team to go in and potentially change something up that may not work with the vendor you choose to go with in, in the future. So when it comes to this, again, it's a double-edged sword. There are definite benefits to it. I would say just don't fall for the sales pitch, which is going to make it look much easier or much more efficient than it probably really is. Yeah, and I think that I mean that's that's good advice for for anything, right? Like, um, especially in the Martech space, um, the sales and marketing teams for these big cloud vendors have gotten so good um, at what they do that it you know they really know how to tell the story of the pain points that that companies are having, and it just seems really really alluring and really easy to throw down a lot of money. And, and again, like. I'm a, I'm a huge believer and fan of like these tools and the cloud solutions, but it's never as easy as, as, as they let on. And I think, you know, a big, a big issue that that has created is it's gone into create this, you know, we already have, again, we've already had a people and staffing problem, but when you go in and talk about how easy it is to do this, it just further makes that problem a bigger deal because ah we don't you know we, we don't like need a huge team to do this it's super easy like none of this stuff is easy it should be okay for us to admit it's hard because when we admit it's hard and it's challenging then we give it the right priority we give it the right staffing we give it the right people with the right level of expertise and when companies do that and they get locked in with the vendor they are creating incredible value. They're creating great experiences. The workflow is incredibly smooth and integrated together. It's a thing of beauty, but it's so rare when that happens. So often they get locked in with a the vendor. They kind of buy into the hype and the pitch. They don't properly staff it. They don't think through the risks so they can properly prepare for it. And they end up in a situation where it's just a giant money pit and nobody's happy uh, other than the sales guy who sold it and <laughs> took his commission and ran. So speaking of money, you know, one of the other items you mentioned, um, you know, when, when, then, uh, when organizations kind of commit, you know, fall into a situation like this is cost. And I, and as I was preparing for this, again, I was focused on like the integration side of things and the, the, the pros and cons that can come there. I didn't think necessarily the cost, the benefit specifically with cost in just how much it could save, save an organization buying into one, because the whole idea with, you know, getting someone stuck on a platform is, is that, you know, we can, we can continue to raise the cost, but you're stuck with us. Like mm -hmm. it'll still be more expensive to move to somebody else than, than take the rate hike. And, and to be fair, yes, that happens. You know, we've, we've seen that happen. Um, and that's a, a very real risk. And that's where, I think you may need to make a 
calculated decision on the value, the upside of getting locked in, which there is a tremendous upside with the potential risk of, you know, once we're in, we're not cared about. And then we're, I'll, I'll, I'll simplify this down and maybe I've used this analogy before. Um, but this is, I, this is what plays out in gyms like all over the place in, and, um, I've had a really horrible experience with the gym where like they, they had high pressure tactics to lock you in for like two or three years. Um, and the experience was what I knew it was going to be. It was really crappy, right? Because it's like they lock you in, they don't care, right? Like they put the show on that everything's great, all this stuff's amazing, but once you're locked in, yeah, we don't care about you anymore. We don't need to, we already have your money. Um, whereas I, in college, I was a member of a, a gym across the street from my dorm that only did month to month memberships. It was the most pristine, beautiful place, always adding new features because they had to continue to win back your your business month over month. Now, I think you can do that in a long-term relationship. And I think there's benefits to both parties to locking in a longer-term relationship. But again, the trap is from the provider side that you take that for granted and say, well, I've already got their money. I don't, we don't need to continue to innovate. We don't need to create great support experiences. We don't, we just don't need to because we have the money. In fact, they're so locked in that we can just raise the rates and not have to justify it and that's the risk and so as a buyer you know you need to be really careful of getting that stepping away from that emotional buy and say I get it I get the emotions of you know being all in I get the tremendous upside I need to have trust that I'm gonna be a priority for you at the end of this year and the end of next year just as much as I'm a priority right now and that's my biggest worry and, and you can't take their word for it because, of course, they're going to say, yeah, we're, you know, you're going to be our you know, number one tier customer. You have to find ways to figure that out. Talk to existing customers. Again, talk to their internal teams. See if you can get a bit more informed decision because, I, you know, I, I would not just blanket statement say, don't go all in with vendor lock-in. I think that there are tremendous upsides to it. Um, and I've seen use cases where it's incredibly valuable. But you have to know what you're getting into. You have to understand and evaluate the, the risks. And you have to get into that relationship with a vendor that has your, your interest in mind and really cares about you. Um, and sometimes that's hard to figure out if that's going to be the case. Sometimes the bigger the vendor, the more risk of that happening. Yeah, oh, because sure. also not only just the comfort of, oh, we have them, we have their money, they're locked in, we got them signed up for a multi-year contract, we're good. But it's also the, hey, we're so big, if we lose them, it's not a big deal. Yeah. It's not a no, problem. No, absolutely. And and by the way, some of these companies that they're like, yeah, they're not a big deal are massive, massive companies. So if you're just the little guy, think about where you're going to fit into that equation. The problem is, is I don't know that it's any safer going the independent route. Um because we've seen that play out in, in different ways as well, where it may work for a short period of time and I guess live in the moment and get the value, but you go with maybe a, a point solution and they're going to give you great service and you're feeling all the love and it's amazing because they have, you know, they have to do that to continue to win your business. What ends up happening? 
they get acquired because they can't stay independent. And now it's like you're just in the belly of the beast. But now you're coming from a much different experience. And it's just I didn't pick to be locked in and I'm now forced through acquisition to be locked in. So, you know, while we're kind of talking about the risks of locked in with a big vendor, you know, going with a point solution is not risk free either. There's a ton of risk to be evaluated down that path as well. I mean, there, there's there's risks all over the place. It's, you know, you need to assess what, what risks you're willing to tolerate. So if you want the flexibility to move, if you feel like you're not getting the level of services that you want or the features aren't as robust as they promised, being careful not to get yourself locked into a single platform, the benefit there is that you can move. You can move if you pick something and it gets acquired or you decide to switch tools and yeah, you, you don't like it and you decide to, to move to, to something else. But think about this though. Like one of the other risks with this is, is the people within the organization being married to a particular vendor? Mm-hmm. Like we have to use Google. We yeah, have yeah, to yeah. use Adobe. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is the tool I've always used. So we need to make sure we buy everything from this vendor. Yeah, and, and, and again, I've seen that work out really well. I've seen that be catastrophic, um, and I've seen companies overbuy because of that. Um, and on the flip side, I've seen really high-functioning programs destroyed because new leadership comes in and says, well, I'm an Adobe person, so we're going to switch all over to Adobe, or I'm a Google person, so I don't care how well it's working. We use Google at my last place, so we're ripping everything out. I think, you know huge risks, right? Like huge risks to that. And I'm just a huge proponent of, again, like stepping back, being independent, being more deliberate in your evaluation of what's going to work for us, what's going to age well and be a good long-term investment. And, um, you know, is it a, is it a point solution where we put every, put it all together? Um, or do we go all in on the cloud? Again, both are incredibly risky. Both can have incredible upsides and the people that are winning those, um, those conversations it really isn't about picking one or the other it's about picking the one from the most informed standpoint and i think to your point so often that doesn't happen because i'm team google or i'm team adobe or i'm team salesforce or i'm team whatever you know and it kind of blurs our uh, ability to really make an informed decision on what's best for this organization at this time and the trajectory that um that we're on and you know we all one time or another, we kind of fall victim to the slick sales and marketing. Um, and we buy on emotion rather than taking a step back and really, again, being deliberate and evaluating what the right solution is for us. And these are big decisions, you know, big decisions. Um, and they often are just made made emotionally on, on kind of the gut. And uh, a lot of times that means they don't work out well. Yeah. If there's one thing listeners should take away from this, what do you think it is? Well, I think, again, it's just being smart and deliberate in, in evaluating um, what's what's best for their needs and being realistic. Um, and I think the biggest takeaway is, is that if you're there, it, it isn't a right or wrong. It isn't a best versus not best. I, I think either path of kind of going all in and getting locked in with a big cloud vendor or building it independently, I think both can be incredibly valuable. The biggest trap from either path is kind of listening to the hype that, and, and maybe especially more so on the kind of vendor lock-in side that this is easy. You know, you buy the entire suite and it just works together. I think that's the biggest takeaway from this is that is a massive trap because if you do that, 
and you go down that path and you understaff it and you don't bring in the right level of expertise, these these big solutions don't just magically work from their, themselves, work by themselves. They need proper expertise and staffing to make work. And I think that's been the biggest indicator of a potential risk or failing program that we've seen is companies investing heavily in these solutions because they're just all going to work. They don't put the people in place for them to work. And what do you know? They don't work. And one thing I'd like to add here as we, as we wrap up, uh, something to think about, something to be aware of is if vendor lock-in is, is a serious concern for you, being dedicated to a single vendor, look out for, for a slippery slope where it, it starts slowly like, oh, if you just do it this way, the way we recommend it, you know, implement it this way, build the data layer that way, do this, do that. It's, oh yeah, that, that doing it that way, this one way seems really convenient. Let's do that. Well, then it starts to build up over time. And next thing you know, it's like, oh yeah, we really like these features. So let's buy this additional tool from them. Or let's replace this tool that we have with this additional one to get these features. Next thing you know, you can become stuck and have multiple key programs tied up in a single vendor. Yeah, and again, it's it's about taking and, and creating the space to like take a step back and just be deliberate in understanding why we're we're making these these decisions. And and again, like I I know kind of being in the moment how how challenging that can be because these they weave really good stories and we want to believe it right like we all feel the pain of having to have all these things interconnected and working together and we kind of see this vision or we make it up in our head of how it can be and we kind of fantasize like oh if i just had all this working together my job would be so much easier but we have to put a sense of realism to it is that you know yes we've we've come a long way and a lot of these things you know are are much more tightly integrated together and there are a lot more efficiencies but it's still incredibly hard. And so, you know, let's not fall into that trap that it's just going to work. Um, it's or maybe one day, but we are definitely not there yet. Cool. So Me let's too. go ahead and wrap up there for now. And we'll talk to everybody later. See you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.